Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech talk OGs, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by ClearSky. ClearSky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky. Optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. Okay, Corey, you mind if I give the intro this time? <laughs> oh, man. So we're going to go in here and we're going to change things up. Let's do it. <laughs> so I have been involved in a lot of conversations over the past little bit about engagement managers. I've just had a lot more people who are new to the ecosystem who are curious about the role I've talked to people about the differences about PMs and EMs. And so Corey and I thought maybe it would be a cool idea since we've done the admin, the BA, the architect, the implementation consultant. Maybe we do an episode that talks exclusively about engagement managers. What do you say, Corey? Yeah, let's do it, Duke. So I guess the first question, obviously, is what does an engagement manager do? Yeah, man. That's, so that's a really good question. I'm going to punt that one to you and let you start it off. My interactions with engagement managers has been when a project has big teams on both sides. So right. you have an organization and all its stakeholders in a ServiceNow deployment and the partner, the services partner has a bunch of people coming to the table as well, right? So you've got an architect, you've got devs, you've got, you know, maybe BA people, some QA people and BS people. Exactly. Now, does everybody just talk to everybody? Yeah, a couple of BS people for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it, does everybody talk to everybody? No. Everything kind of filters up on both sides, right? There's a prime person on the customer side and there's a prime person on the service provider side. And hmm. I would say that prime person is the engagement manager on the services side. Got like it. it is it is the face of the project. Okay. Okay. The, on the delivery side. The customer has a face too, right? That's the prime right. stakeholder, the person who calls all the shots, the person you're doing it for, the person who's most involved in the day-to-day. -day. But what do you call the equivalent of that on the delivery side? The person who answers for everybody else. And I say that's an engagement manager. And we're going to see there's going to be some gray areas, right? Because a lot of people have probably been in situations where it's like, oh, I know that person, but they didn't call themselves an engagement manager. Nevertheless, that's the role they're playing in that moment. 
All right. Okay. I'll follow you now. So it's basically, so we're looking at the engagement manager, but whether or not you're actually, actually dub that those specific words as the person who is managing the engagement and talking to the other side of the other size person who's managing that engagement, right? Like right. just, just kind of trying to hurt all the cats and keep everything in line and making sure it gets to the goal line. So then let's ask this question, dude, what's the difference between an EM and a PM? Okay, so I would call uh, it falling in line with what an engagement manager does, right? They're the face of the project. And a PM can sometimes be that as well. Okay. But we also know PMs that aren't that person. True. Right. right. Like, There's so I, okay. so I, so the, yeah. right. Cause the PM is often a lot more in tune with the deliverable side of it right. and not necessarily managing the project as a concept. Right. So I would say it's kind of like the EM is acting as the face of the project, the single source of accountability. Right. Um, and also the prime faced organizer. And okay. when I say that, I mean it in the ways that all that the PM is not. So a PM might be like, well, I know that we have to do all these workshops and they have to be in sequence because each one relies on the on the previous. And right. I know that that must become before we do a deliver, deliverables review and that happens to happen before we do a whatever. Okay. So right. the PM is going to like organize all that, structure the work. But the okay. EM, I think, is the person who's going to be like, okay, so first workshop is about discovery. So we're going to need your someone from your server team, someone from your network team, and blah, blah, blah. How do we go about finding those people? Customer, can you please give me a list of their names? I'm going to go get this organized. We'll send out an invite. You see what I mean? Like yeah. they're the people, the motive force, the people who will actually do, compulsively do the things that the organization of it requires. Make any sense? Yeah, I, I think I'm following this, right? So the EM is the, is the person, right, who is charged with not just the deliverables of the project, right? Because that's the project manager. The project manager is calling people like me as an architect saying, hey, did you do this thing? When is it going to be complete? When are your developers going to yeah. finish their stories? Right? Like that sort of thing. Yeah. And they're reporting up to the EM. The EM, EM is basically calling the other side like, hey, all right, so we've got these things scheduled. Do you have your people ready? These are things we're going to do. We need to report up the management on this date. And, you know, we're going to make sure we have this presentation done for them so they can understand the value and where we are in this thing. And really just kind of being that single source of truth for the project from that that side of, of the engagement. It's a shame I got to think about this in terms of like when it goes wrong, right? But when an implementation <laughs> starts going wrong and a customer has like significant issues that they want to address, like I had a customer once where the partner came in, they had like a team of BAs, they had a team of developers, but they were all offshore. And so it was basically requirements gathering, went to the BAs in our meetings, and then we come in the next day or the next few days and we'd, we'd see the development and it was all wrong. Right. And it was just like... Do we, do we scream at the BAs? No. <laughs> it was fundamentally a, a problem with the structure of the project. It was like, oh, you can't talk to the developers because they're in a different time zone. Well, excuse me, who's the customer here? Right. But we're having that conversation with the engagement manager. We're not happy about this. Right. Here's what we're not happy about. Who's got the authority to make this thing change? Hmm. Okay. So, so the engagement manager says, you're right. You're absolutely right. Let's get an onshore developer into the mix. Let's you know, maybe we don't need as many BAs or whatever. You know what I mean? But they have, they, like, on top of being the face, they also have the authority to change the parameters of right. the project. 
So the chief stakeholder for the delivery side. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like the perfect metaphor in my mind is just the face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When we, okay. when, when you and I talk, I talk to your face, you talk to my face. You don't talk to my hands. You don't talk to my feet, even though they're, you know, critical in whatever it is we do together. Right. But right. it's just like, we talk to each other's face. This is the, the engagement managers is that face. That makes sense to me. All right. So I'm, I'm seeing a distinction now, right? Like between the engagement manager and the project manager, because the project manager does have a different manifest sort of duty in the project than the engagement manager. All right. So what makes a good engagement manager? Okay. What makes a good engagement manager? So when I look at the, of the successful implementations and the engagement managers that I've enjoyed working with and like just everything went smooth is a certain amount of confidence and charisma. The intangibles of human behavior. We like this person. We don't know why. It's just cool to hang out with them, the, the, this person. <laughs> <laughs> like the people who are, um, that are naturally likable. Right. And charismatic. When they walk into the room, everybody notices that they walk into the room. When they talk, everybody else goes quiet. Right? Right. They have that intangible presence about them. Presence. I like that. Yeah. Right. The gravitas. That's the word you use. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The gravitas. Yeah. There's, there's a presence about them. And it helps because you're about to walk into a place and tell them like a new way of living, essentially. Right? Yeah. And you're going to have to make them understand. You're going to have to convince them of it, right? Like you want them to agree with you. Yeah. There's a persuasiveness about it. And so obviously the more naturally persuasive you are, the more success you're going to have with that. And I also think of charisma in terms of like a coolness and a calmness because a lot of their value is if and when things start getting uncomfortable. Like the customer is, is really pissed off about, okay, well, how come I can, how come we can never talk to the developers because all your developers are offshore and you're only giving me people onshore who can't tell me what's going on with the developers. And I'm pissed. And now it's your problem. Right. And, and then this person slides in and it's like, oh, oh calm yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you know what? No, I, that's absolutely, you're absolutely right. That's a terrible place for us to be in. So I have the authorization to change the parameters of this project. I'm acting all like I'm like, I got the confidence charisma, right? But yeah, you see what I mean? They have to be the kind of person who is in the middle of the storm. They can just handle it. They can get yelled at. They can be the person who has the finger pointed into their chest. You know what I mean? They will receive the anger, the discomfort, the negative energies of when things start going wrong. So, I mean, the next thing too, for me, right, then is that this person needs to be trusted, not just by yes. the organization that they're representing, but also with the client organization too, right? The client has to trust that they have the authority on their side of the fence to get things done. And the, um, the, the, on the deployment side, right, they have to have that trust internally that when they come to, you know, internally and say, hey, this client is really on the ledge. We really need to talk them down. And to do that, we need to change our development methodology. They need to have that trust internally to be able to make that happen. I think also an exceptional level of narrative building. Okay. If, especially on longer projects, it really matters that everybody understands the successes that we've had so far. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So we keep the momentum up. It's not like Christmas where everybody's waiting until the night before the go live to see if we get something cool under the tree. <laughs> yeah, no, right? Like by the, it's none of this stuff should be a surprise. Right. So, and I think yes. I think sometimes we, you know, we we forget about that when we're when we're actually doing deployments, right? Or any kind of uh, a project. The the outcome of this should never be a surprise. Like there should never be a point in the project that 
we are uncertain what's going to happen next week or next month or next sprint or what have you, right? Like all this stuff should be communicated. Everybody should know where we're standing for major things, right? I mean, things pop up, right? Like this feature might be a little harder to develop than we thought. But at the end of the day, if the go live is on May 1st, we should know that we're going to be able to hit May 1st yep. date or not way before May 1st. We shouldn't be surprised on April 15th that we can't hit May 1st. That's a project fair. And, and telling that story to your stakeholders and telling the story to your clients, right? Like, so do they understand where we are? I think is one of the most critical skills of, a, of an engagement manager, right? Because that's so, perception, right? Like can, can really throw a project off. Mm -hmm. We could be doing everything well, but if our client thinks that we're screwing up, like that's all that really matters. That's right. It's like constant pulse checks. How do you feel yeah. about it's going? And, and, and it, you see what I mean? How like there's part of this that is beyond the project manager. So how do you feel about how things are going to? Do you feel like you're being listened to? Like, are we going after the outcomes that we originally thought? You know, a pulse check. And, and that has nothing yeah. to do with cost, schedule, scope, well, maybe scope. I don't know. But you know what I mean? It feels like it's beyond just the we are off schedule. Right? Yeah, maybe we are, but maybe everybody's happy about it because we're factoring for something else but yeah maybe maybe we scope creeped a little bit and it was acceptable scope creep so that put us off schedule a little bit but everybody's okay with that right because yep. know what they're getting we've communicated the value of what they're getting and we've communicated extensively on how that that additional value took us off scope and off schedule and everybody's fine right now what i also know is to talk about narrative capability is somebody who can build a good narrative kind of understands what their audience wants yeah right Okay. So I was in a meeting. This is like one of my clients I was at and I was kind of like the Farkitect episode. Remember <laughs> I was like the independent architect yeah. that was just there to like be advice for the customer and not trying to scale up my operations. There. And they had a, a, a large partner in with a large team, very large team. And it was just kind of in the opening phases of the project. And the prime stakeholder on the customer side said something like, and this is the consultants we brought in. And the engagement manager like flat out interrupted her on the call and said, oh, no, I have to stop you there. I have to, I have to stop you there because we're not just consultants, we're partners. And it diminishes what we offer to your organization if you call us consultants. And so we have to be called partners for this implementation because that's what we are for you. And I'm just like, you know what? A partner wouldn't have interrupted me in the middle of my speech in front of my peers to <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay right and that, i think that is one of the right tact would be another one of the skills that an engagement right. manager would have right like the ability to know when when to speak up and when not to right but like, it was think, it's an entirely bad narrative you completely missed the fact that if you want to be the partner prove you're the partner don't just like demand to be you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I right. demand you perceive me in this way. Well, shoot, no. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you don't. You need to do the thing, right? Like if you do the thing, then we will think you are the person, right? Who does the thing? That's what it comes down to. I don't tell people that I'm a service now architect. I go in and I talk to them, and they're like, "Man, that guy's a service now architect." They get it, man. You know more about service now than anybody I've ever met. And I'm like, "Great, thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't tell you that, though, but you just got it." And then. I don't know, like it's one of the things and it's, you know, all, like a little bit of a tangent, right? Because mm -hmm. I talk a little bit about, you know, myself for a minute. But one of the things that I, that I often get told when I come into a, uh, an engagement, right, is that nobody ever talks about these things like you do, 
right? Or nobody ever reaches this aspect of thing, right? And I feel like that's the thing that engagement managers are supposed to bring to the table as well. The ability to talk about the project in a way that's different from the way that your technical folks are talking about it. Even your architect, even your project manager. like, And it goes back to the narrative building, right? The ability to, to really take the confidence, right? That calm, cool collectedness that they have and project it out to the client, right? So that they now also feel confident in this implementation, right? They now are calm and cool about it, right? And just being able to see it in other people. Like, you know, yeah. when you can tell, like that person is uncomfortable. So that means I have a job to do. If I'm yeah. an engagement manager, like I've got to like, okay, I've got to figure out why they look uncomfortable. And yeah, then oh my God, right? not only that, but I've got to like give them a pathway out of the discomfort. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Right. It's like build your enemy a golden bridge upon which to retreat. Yes. Right. <laughs> and so like, it's the same thing here when, when you're in a conference room, right? When you've got a bunch of stakeholders there and one of them who has a, maybe a, a bit of influence, right? Is looking uncomfortable want to figure that person out right you want to figure out what's got them looking uncomfortable and what you need to do to get that person back to status quo so you want to build them that bridge upon which you can retreat from that discomfort back to status quo an engagement manager has to recognize that in the moment and help them get back so just add kind of like um you know freelance psychologist to the whole <laughs> engagement manager <laughs> skill list <laughs> And it, but this is true, right? Like these things, you know, dude, these are the things that, uh, you know, they really intrigue me about the profession that I, I don't think are really covered all that often. And, and, and you know, at a macro level, so I, I could, maybe it's the meta stuff, right? It's the meta details about what we do in terms of being service now professionals, right? Mm-hmm. But you do need to be like a bit of a person who can do a little bit, I guess, a layman's psychoanalysis, right? In yep. the moment, I'd be able to understand when you're in the presence of who might be getting a little challenged by what came right and trying to understand you know what it was but you know that that they picked up on that they don't like and how to resolve that situation mention these are the things right these this is the difference sorry I, i'm going on but no, no, uh, th- this is this is the difference right but that separates folks from being just a service developer and a consultant like it, when you're a consultant you, you bring these additional skills these additional skills to the table right that uh, allow you to add that additional value in these ways That's a great segue to the next point because probably by now, our listeners have probably said, wait a minute. I know a lot of people who fill this kind of role, look and act that way, but they don't call themselves engagement managers. And to that, I say, yeah. (laughs) How many other ServiceNow jobs in our space can be an amalgam of two jobs? How many admins do you know can also dev? How many BAs do you know can also dev? How many like certified implementation specialists for SPM can also do ITSM. We know that one body can encompass more than one role a lot of the times. So maybe we talk about some of the most likely places where EMs overlap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a good place to, to, to segue, actually. The first thing I'd say is independent consultants are typically a place where you'll find engagement manager-like skills. I mean, especially if you're a person who was parachuted into a a gig and you're the only person on it, right? Which often happens to me, right? Like when I'm an independent consultant, I I show up and I'm the only person on on that ServiceNow team, at least from an outside perspective. And so there's no PM. There's just me as an expert and them as a a client in need. And then I got to try to manage this whole thing from 
what value are you looking to try to uh, achieve through platform and how do we get there? How do we build the narrative for the people above you that we're generating success so that you also look good while we're doing this and they don't look look like they're just throwing money into a hole because they hired a consultant on and on and on, right? Like this whole skill set that we just talked about that a, uh, EM brings to the table as an independent consultant who's running a, a project just by a virtue that you're the only person on it, you need to really have those skills as well. Yeah, I mean, really, what else would you be? if You're your own face for your own set of services, right? Right. Who else flies cover for you? Who else like stands in front of the customer for you? So if you're an indie consultant, especially one who has like the prime relationship with the customer, you are basically your own engagement manager. Yeah. That is for sure. The second place where we see the most overlap is project managers. And I've always been of the opinion that the best project managers are natural engagement managers and the best engagement managers are also project managers. Just get those two skills aligned in the same person and magic happens. Yeah. I mean, as we've just discussed, right, there is a little bit of overlap there just naturally because they're both managing large swaths of the the project. And so I do agree that the best EMs are going to be good PMs, right? Though I will say that I'm not sure that I want my EM being a PM because I think they're far too valuable to be managing the nuances of a project like a project manager is. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that. I, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I would recall back to the episode we did with Pat Fuller. And okay. We're going to put a link to that in the description below. Everybody take a shot. <laughs> but Pat Fuller is to me the pinnacle of both sides in one person, like exquisite project manager, has everything laid out in Excel, knows down to the day when all this stuff has to get done by, where she's getting the resources from, how much she spent on it, how much she has extra for wiggle room, all that PM goodness. But she also does it from an engagement management perspective because she is the face of this thing getting done. She just understands the structure of the work to get it done. And Pat's the kind of person where the C-suite, someone from the C-suite calls her up, CIO, COO. Hey, Pat, take care of this $15 million thing for us. Make it go faster. The end. (laughs) And yeah, uh, Yeah. you you know what I mean? And she's got all of the authority to change the parameters of the project or the parameters for success. She has the project plan. She made it herself. So she knows it implicitly. And she's got that confidence and charisma and the cool under calm and the, the narrative building and the hyper organization. And she just talks about that on top of all the other things on top of schedule, cost and scope. Absolutely true. And I totally agree with you that Pat Fuller can be my EM and PM any day of the week, twice on Sunday. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there are very few Pat Fullers in this world. <laughs> that I will give you. <laughs> and I think unless you have the skill set of a Pat Fuller, then I do think that I want my EM more focused on managing the engagement as a whole and making sure that the success is communicated versus um, maybe managing some of the nuances and, and ensuring that my developers are building stories on time. Hmm. I want them holistically engaged 
narrative, as, as you mentioned, like, you know, a couple of minutes ago. The narrative, I think, is much more important than the stories are, that are getting built is why we're building the stories, how we're building the stories and what we're going to accomplish by building those stories. Somebody's got to spin that yarn. Right. And somebody's got to build those decks and have those meetings with management to make sure that they all come away feel, feeling warm and fuzzy. And you can't do that. Right. If you're always making sure that everybody's managing to the date because your job to know when when they didn't manage to date or they're or they're, uh, you know, somebody should be telling you, hey, we're not going to be able to meet the date. Right. And that's when you got to go do the EM thing with the client. Right. Like, oh, crap. All right. So we're not going right. to let me get it out in front of this. Right. And so now you got to spin a narrative on why you didn't you're not going to hit the date and how you're going to correct for it and why you shouldn't be alarmed and why it's not a big deal. Right. I want my EM to be able to do that quickly without having to deal with the nuance of whether or not this is potentially a misstate or maybe they're, you know, folks are a little hypersensitive or worried about, you know what I mean? Like worried about like whether or not this is real or make believe. Right. I just I want them working on the narrative in case it is real. I guess where it's like, I, I idealize them in the same body because as soon as we discover that this thing is going to go off the rails, then go broker the reconciliation with the customer and not have this scenario where it's like, okay, the PM now has to tell the EM that this is off the rails. And then the EM goes to the customer. If those can both be in the same body and they have such an overlap of skill set. Anyway, sorry. I didn't, no, I, I mean, agree, I, you disagree, I guess. But. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you on that too. I, I mean, I, like, I get where you're coming from on it, right? And I think, I guess, if it's a smaller project, then it makes sense to have both of those folks in the same body. But I do think on a larger project, I want my EM separate. I want them managing fires and spinning narratives, you know, throughout the entirety of the of the project, and not necessarily focused on ensuring that the stories get delivered on time. Okay, well, we got a few minutes more time. So I thought maybe what we would do is talk about if we have listeners at the start of their ServiceNow career and they say, oh, EMs for me, what do you got to keep in mind? Huh. Yeah. Okay. If you know, you're at the start of your career and you think, man, I really want to be an EM. One of the first things you need to do, right, is to understand to understand like that skill set like we talked about that you need to bring to the table when you are an EM. That means you got to be really confident and, and comfortable talking in front of people, people who have a lot of power typically in a situation. Like you got to realize that you're going to be the the face, right, of a deployment talking to the other face of the folks who are asking you to do the thing. Typically that face is going to have a degree of power in the situation so you have to, you know, be confident in those spaces. Like that's one of the things. You know, probably maybe the maybe the number one thing from my from a perspective. I'd also wager that engagement manager is not something that you walk into. You have to have done something of a similar scale. Sales. Yeah. Yeah, but you you I think you would have had to have been in charge of some kind of like multi-person objective where you are the person who is going to face the fire if the thing fails and there's 20 other people working on it with you. I can see I that. Th- I don't think you go from school to engagement manager. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think you do need some real world experience and doing some things right before you can be an engagement manager. Absolutely. But I do think sales is one of the places that I've seen successful engagement managers come from, right? Because it's sort of like a similar skill set, right? Like you want confidence, you know, charisma. You want to be able to tell a story, right? You need to be organized. You need to be really um, confident in situations where you don't necessarily have all the power, right? And other people do. 
and you got to be able to push too because you're trying to close the deal right like when you're in sales situation you're trying to close the deal when you're an em you're really trying to get your client to buy your narrative right and so that so that they really believe that everything's going and that's not to say you should be tricking them right but you know what i mean like you're selling a, a narrative you want the client to buy into it Right. And that's just like sales, in my opinion. You want to close the deal. You want to get the client to, to buy the narrative. So I, so I see if you've got some some successful year, years in sales under your belt. I think a transition to EM is probably not too hard. And I'd say if you had informal project management experience or perhaps you have a military career where you had command. Right. Mm, that's a go. Yeah. That would be a real. Yep. But but more generally, if it's many, many people, except you get all the blame if it all goes wrong, (laughs) is the fingerprint for a good EM. So if you're a husband to a family. (laughs) You you know that expression, like, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Because they just, there's certain people who just figure out ways to get it done, figure out ways to success. Right. And you kind of got to be one of those people. Yeah, agree. Right. Like there's all right. You got to be constantly pushing. Right. You can't be scared. There's no room for fear when you're an EM. Right. Because yeah, it goes exactly. back to that, yeah. that confidence and charisma. Right. Like and you coolness under pressure. It's just like, OK, I'm, yeah, I'm getting yelled at. They're super mad. I can see that they're just, you know, and they're yelling at me. <laughs> right. Right. So, so it's like, OK, so what do we do? Right. Like, what do we do? All right. So the one thing we don't do, right, is get mad and yell back. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, that would be. Let's call that plan Z. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But if you don't have the experience in these situations, maybe that is your first impulse, right? Is to get mad and yell back. And that's not what you want to do. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the some accountability and in, in situations previously, I do think is an important skill to have when thinking about you know, coming an EM. At least from my perspective, and I've been on stuff that hasn't gone so well. You know what I mean? I can, I can mm-hmm. admit that. I think. If you're not an EM and you want to know how EMs do it, I would say you got to shut off that part that's going to take it personal, right? It's not personal. They just have a lot of emotional energy behind the outcome and just let them go. Don't try and calm them down. Yeah. And and certainly by interrupting them, I'd say like, listen intently is strategy number one. Listen intently if they're in a point where they're like yelling and very, very frustrated and take notes. (laughs) Because if they're giving it to you once when they're angry, like they won't appreciate asking you to repeat themselves, right? So just take notes as they're talking, you know, and make sure that they feel heard. I think once they're once they feel heard, that's step one to getting them Man, they're, they're more, just, more amicable to, to to how you're going to steer it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, the more we talk about this, right, it just it goes back and I think we did a an episode or two on soft skills, right? And it just really underscores for me like how important these soft skills are as you advance your career, right? Because I don't think EM is like an entry-level career. But when you start to, right, you know, but when you start to look at these these steps, right, something like independent consultant, EM, and things of that nature, service now architect, right? These are spots where those soft skills really do come into play. And people expect a little bit more than just you being able to recite the technical literature, right, that you re- remember. Like, you know, yeah, I can, can, can you write a Glide query, you know, with your eyes? Sure, but a lot of people can do that. And the, the CEO that you're talking to doesn't really care, right? They, they want to know how, how is, what's in it for me? How is the thing that you're about to do that I'm asking you to do that I'm about to pay you for, right? Like going to make my life better and easier and tell me in three minutes. 
<laughs> and so I, I do really think that the soft skills, like the folks who have them and the folks who don't write like that, that schism really starts to show itself as you start to um, elevate your career. I just love the fact that you said soft skills too, because if there's ever a role that was almost entirely soft skills, yeah, <laughs> you know, unless you take my advice and say a good PM, a good EM is also a good PM, then you need the hard skills of a project management, right? You know, yeah, like project management, all the artifacts and whatnot. But man, I, but I have seen EMs that aren't PMs, and they're just all that person, that person everybody loves to love. Can't yep. stay mad at them. Inspires yep. confidence, even though they're not the ones turning the wrenches. Yeah. And as these um, projects, as the spend starts to uh, ratchet up, right, like the job of that engagement manager just gets more and more important, right? Because if you're spending two, three, four, five, ten million dollars on a, on a project, the person who can spin that narrative and keep everybody focused and calm and confident in the project is worth right, a mint to that yep. project. Because the one thing that will start to destabilize a project is a lack of confidence in it. And that always starts somewhere, right? Yeah. It starts with maybe a communication breakdown. Like, how come all of our devs are always somewhere else in different time zones and we can never talk to them? So we can never figure out what went wrong on their side. And that could be something where I'm still happy for a little while until it starts getting really frustrating. But Yeah, exactly. And it could just be one thing that takes it from happy to frustrating too, right? If Uh the thing is big enough and you need somebody to come in and, and, you know, narrative that away or somebody to come in with the authority to recognize, well, someone who could come in and recognize whether or not this is a situation where something needs to be done or someone needs to listen. That's step number one, because there are situations where your client is going to be upset, but this is just a listening situation where they want to yell at somebody and they really just want to vent their trouble with the project, right? And you're going to listen to those things. You're going to hear those things and you're going to calm them down, right? And you're going to tell them everything's going to be fine and they're going to be happy. But then there are other situations where you need to do something. And M needs to be able to tell the difference between the two. Is this a situation where we need to lose a couple of points of profit in order to move development back on shore because mm-hmm. this client's going to walk otherwise? Right. Your EM needs to know that person is going to be the person who who reports back internally and says, hey, we need to lose a couple points right here. And we need to bring we need to bring development back internally and need our all stars on this thing for two weeks. And that, and again, right, that's that trust thing that we talked about earlier, right? Like the internals are going to, uh, internal folks are going to trust this person and give them that without a, without a, us, without blinking, right? Because they know that this, that's the skill set that they hire. All right. Wow. <laughs> no. I mean, that got good at the end, dude. Yeah. Like, you know, behind the camera, people, every, behind the microphone, Corey and I were like, how are we going to fill 30 minutes on? <laughs> Unengagement <laughs> managers. And here we are at like uh, 40 minutes of record. So, well, Duke, episode 82, and we still don't have still don't have an outro. Ah, someday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, folks. We'll see you on the next one. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 
Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech Taco G's, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what's success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that, huh? Service now. Come on. Yeah. I said welcome to the winner's circle. Yeah, yeah.